Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. We're currently in our sermon series, Next. The best is yet to come. For the past 20 years of Rolling Hills, we have seen God do more than we could ever imagine. Countless lives have been impacted for eternity. Many have professed their faith through baptism. Adults and children have grown in their faith through discipleship. Campuses have been launched in communities all throughout Middle Tennessee. And the vulnerable and the least have been served throughout the world. God has shown up time and time again, and now we faithfully look ahead to what is next for His church, knowing that it's not about us and our future, but about God and His perfect plan. Our prayer is that this will be a season that we look back on and see as one where God grew and stretched His people in ways He never has before. We're believing we will see restored relationships, miracles happen right before our eyes, radical salvations, and prodigals returning home. We believe for all of this and more. In this series, we're walking through the book of Nehemiah and how God's call on His people in that day is one He still has for us in 2023. May He find us faithful as we step forward, trusting that the best truly is yet to come. So listen in as we jump into what the Lord has for us today. All right, well, it's me again. I know you're really excited about that. Uh, you thought maybe somebody else was going to come up, but no, it's still me. Uh, so, hey, I'm uh, again, just if you have your Bible, we're working through the book of Nehemiah. We're in chapter 13 uh, this morning, so you want to grab that or grab your phone, open up to an app that you're following along there, maybe the Church Center app. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible in the back. Uh, as you came in, there's, there should be uh, some Bibles there. We would love that to be your gift this morning or our gift to you this morning. Uh, we, again, Nehemiah chapter 13. I, I, can't, I certainly am not the only one in this room that struggles with this, uh, but I, I have to admit that I have trouble remembering things. Uh, it's why my name is a, is a letter, uh, because it's easier for me to remember that. It's not necessarily for you, it's for me. Uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to forget when, you're, when your name is just a letter. Uh, and, and true, maybe, uh, maybe you don't know this, maybe I just need to make sure. My parents did not hate me, they did not just give me a letter as my name. Uh, and if you have a letter as your name and that's your given name, I'm really sorry. Uh, your parents didn't hate you either. I, I'm, I'm, I need to stop digging this hole. Um, but, but I, I have trouble remembering things. It's, and, and it kind of it pokes its head in some random places, right? And, and I, the, one of those places that I feel like it comes out most often is when I'm watching some of those like OG movies, right? Some of those, G, those movies that you're like, you grew up on, right? And you're like, those moments in that movie where you're like, I, I didn't know that this, the, the, like the, the special effects in this were so bad, right? And again, it was the 80s and special effects were new, right? I, I get it. But like, I, you, you kind of get, you're, you're like, oh, your kids are, your kids start asking like, y'all enjoyed this? Like, yeah, it was awesome back then. Shut up, you know? And you don't say shut up because those are bad words. Sorry, kids in the room. But then, then you have those other moments where you're like, you didn't realize that the movie was just as corny as it is, right? There's just things that about some of those movies that you grew up on. And you're like, oh, this is really lame. 
And then the, I know that I'm not the only one in the room that's had this experience where you real like in the middle of watching one of these movies with your kids that you grew up on, you have that moment where you had no idea, you had no memory of what is happening in the movie right now happening when you were a kid. Right, you're, you're like in that moment of like tripping over yourself and, and ask to, to fast forward or to mute it so you don't scar your kids. You're asking yourself, what were my parents thinking? Right, like what, what, was, what was going on in their brains? Like why, why would they let me watch? Did they, did they know what was happening in Goonies and they allowed me to watch that? Like did they know what was happening in, in Teen Wolf and in Back to the Future? I don't know, I don't know what was up with Michael J. Fox, but, but like what? Well, did they know what was going on in those moments? And, and in those moments, I have to think back, and, I, and, and this is what I've come up with personally, uh, that I just exhausted my parents. So much so that they were in the room, but they weren't there, right? Physically, emotionally, they were just tired. And so maybe, uh, maybe I just need to apologize for them for that. But, but I, there's moments where you just don't remember, things that you just don't remember, and I, 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 again, I know that I'm not the only one in, in the room that has that. But as we turn to Nehemiah chapter 13, there's this theme that kind of runs through the chapter, through chapter 13 of remembering. And it's not just a theme in chapter 13. I think it's a theme that you see throughout scripture of remembering. And, but Nehemiah says it three times, remember me. And so this morning, what I want to do is three things. First, I want to just, I want to look at some of the things that I think are really important for us to remember from the book of Nehemiah. And so if you haven't been around, we're just going to kind of do a 30,000-foot view. I think there's six things that are really important for us to, to remember from the book of Nehemiah. But then I want to look at what, how Nehemiah wanted to be remembered. And then lastly, I, wanna be, I want us to be reminded that God remembers us. And so before we jump in, I want to just ask you to pray with me uh, for, the, for the time that we'll spend in God's word. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we, we love you and we thank you for this moment that we get to open up your word. And we, we know that your word is living and active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, God, that just as it spoke to men and women uh, in history, God, it speaks to us today. And so, God, I pray by, by the power of your spirit that you would move and you would speak to us, that, God, I would not get in the way of the words that you have to speak to your people as we work through these passages of Scripture. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you would be near us, that we could hear your voice today, that we could hear from you, and that, God, you would give us the courage to follow you in faith uh, and, and, and action as you've called us to live lives uh, of, of faith uh, in you and in and, and love with you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're following along in your worship, God, the first thing this, that we, we want to remember the lessons that we lessons learned from Nehemiah. So what are the six things that are just kind of really high level things that you see throughout the book of Nehemiah? The first one is this, if you're following along in, 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 uh, on your worship guide, is that God has a great calling on our life, on your life. God has a great calling on your life. What we see throughout the book of Nehemiah is that God has called Nehemiah uh, if to, to do this great thing, to do these, to, to rebuild the wall. And, and he's, he has a great calling on our lives as well. In Nehemiah chapter 6, we read this a couple of weeks ago. He, and Nehemiah sent a response to some guys that were trying to pull him off of the work that he was doing. And he says this in the reply, Nehemiah 6 verse 3 says, And I carry on a great project that I cannot go down. Why should I stop working and leave and go down to you? So he just said, he's like, hey, he recognizes that what he's doing is a great work. When he's called out of the, 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 
the palace in Persia where he serves as the cupbearer. He, he's called out of that place to go do this great work because the, the walls of Jerusalem are down and his heart is broken over the, the ruin that's happened in, in Jerusalem, the fact that there's no peace in the city and, and they're vulnerable. So his heart is broken. He has a great call in his life and there's a great call on our lives as well. If you've been around Pastor Jeff, our, our, our lead pastor who, who, who's at our Franklin campus, if you've been around him for even a short amount of time, it's something that he reminds the staff of all the time. It's something that was in his email this week to the church. Over and over again, you hear him say these words, this is our time. Right? The men and women that we read about in Scripture that, that did all of these incredible things, that was their time. They had their time. They did what God called them to do in their time. In, the, in, in this story that we've been walking through with, Ez, with Zerubbabel who came and rebuilt the temple and then Ezra who came and reestablished the worship of God and, and obedience to God's word in the, in the city and then Nehemiah who comes and rebuilds the wall, they had their time and they were faithful in their time. You and I have a time and it is right now. We have a, a, a calling on, on our lives and it, we each of us have a great calling and this is our time, our time to lead, our time to serve, our time to share, our time to give, our time to care for others. So the first thing that we see as we look at Nehemiah and in this whole book that we've kind of studied is that God has a calling on our lives. The second thing that I think is really important is that we have to keep first things first. Keep first things first. First, the worship of God and, and what we see in Nehemiah is that the first things are the worship of God, the word of God, prayer and obedience. The worship of God, the word of God, prayer and obedience are first things for Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1, as soon as he hears that the walls are, are in ruins, the very first thing that he does, heartbroken, he goes and he weeps and he spends time with, with the Lord in prayer. He goes back to God's word and, he, and, he, and he, he, he walks in obedience to God's word. He does all the things that we just say. He, he, he recognizes that the worship of God has, has not, is not continuing the way that it's supposed to be. He goes back to God's word. He spends time in prayer. And then he walks in obedience over and over and over again. In, in these 13 chapters, you see Nehemiah do these things. And the lessons that we need, the things that we need to remember, secondly, is that we keep first things first. The worship of God, the word of God, prayer and obedience. We've got to keep first things first to walk and to live the life that God's called us to live. To do right now, to, to walk out this calling that he has on our lives. We have to keep first things first. The third thing, as you're following along there, is this, that God's calling starts where you are and requires planning, patience, and faith. That God's calling starts where you are and requires planning, patience, and faith. And this is what I mean. God put it on Nehemiah's heart, this calling to go and rebuild the wall. He put it on his heart when he was the cupbearer to the king in Persia. Weeks of travel away from the place that he would fulfill the call. God put the call on his life. And for some of us, we're, we live in this, this perpetual, one day I will do the things that God's called. The, uh, one day these things, or one day I'll get to do the, these, these things that I feel like God's called. No, listen, God's calling on your life starts right where you are. Nehemiah didn't wait till he got to Jerusalem to begin working out the calling that God had. It began when he was cupbearer to the king in Persia. 
And some of us are sitting in this spot where we're just wanting another moment. We're wanting something else. That's when everything will be right. Then God's saying, no, listen, where I have you right now is where I want you. It's where the calling that I have on your life begins. Now, there may be next steps. There may be other places that that takes you. But right now, it's where you are. And it requires us to plan, to spend time planning and knowing what our next steps are. And being patient is what he does. He's patient. He waits for the right moment to present the need to the king. And then he trusts God. He's faith in, in following out. And the same is true for us, that, we, that God's called us today. That we have, we've got to spend time getting, understanding what that calling means. How do we do what God's called us to do? We plan. We're patient knowing that at the right time we'll be able to step into those things. And then we follow him in faith. I think the fourth thing that we need to remember from the book of Nehemiah that we've kind of studied over this past, and I think we've said this multiple times in the past several weeks, that it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Lesson that we've got to learn. I say this all the time. I feel like so many believers are sidelined because they anticipate that, they will, that, that life is going to be easy because you're a follower of Christ and nothing could be farther from the truth. Life is hard regardless if you're a believer or not. Right? Christians have to go to work just like non-Christians. Christians have, to, Christians have to raise kids just like non-Christians. The life that he's called you to is going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be opposition. But listen to this. Just hold on to these words. Everything that has ever been worth doing has been difficult. Everything that you've ever done that was worth doing has been difficult. Now, sure, you were like, yeah, I, I binged, watched a TV show on Netflix. It was a really awesome day. Okay. But it was still hard, maybe, to sit on the couch that long, or it should be a little bit hard to spend that much time on the couch. But everything, literally, I, I joke about it, but everything that you've ever done that was worth doing has been difficult at some level. You face some level of opposition. We forget, again, that Jesus says, Jesus himself says in, in, in John chapter 16, in this world you will have trouble. He reminds us in the same breath that he's overcome the world. The promise, twofold, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It, something caught my eye in this, and this is kind of a side, uh, but I feel like this is a really important thing for us to just sit on for just a second caught my eyes. I read this this week. I had to go back and kind of read through again and just make sure I wasn't missing something or wasn't making this up. Jesus' words are very clear. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world. The promise is that you and I will experience trouble in this world, but in this world is not the end of the story. For those of us who are followers of Christ, who have, who've walked with Christ, Jesus has already promised in John chapter 14 to the disciples, he's already said, hey, listen, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I promise that I'm going to come back and get you so that you can be where I'm going to be. But the promise is what he says in this phase, this world you're going to have trouble, but this is not the end. This world is not the end. 
Because listen to what it says in Revelation, what John records in Revelation. He says, and I heard the, vo- the loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Listen, verse four, and he will wipe every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain for the old order of things has passed away. What is he saying? This world you'll have trouble, but in the next world, when we go to be with him, there will be no more trouble. Believers, hold on to this truth. If you're you're a follower of Christ, if you're a child of God, here's a truth that you can hold on to. In this world, you will have trouble. But this is not the end. God has a plan for you. He says that he will come and take us to be with him. And in that world, for eternity, there will be no more trouble. Maybe this morning you feel that trouble and you're like, how do I get out of this trouble? How do I get away from this trouble? Listen, I can't, I'm not telling you that you're going to escape it in the moment because in this world it says that you're going to have trouble. But Jesus, by his grace, gives the disciples an answer in John chapter 14 when they're like, hey, how do we go to this place that you're saying that we can go? He says this, that he's the way, that Jesus is the way that you escape the trouble that, you, that is momentary in this place. But for eternity, we get to live in a place where there is no more trouble. If you don't yet have a relationship with Christ, there's nothing more important than you need to remember this morning than Christ, by his grace, is inviting you to trust him, to put your faith in him. And if that's where you are this morning, I would love to have a conversation with you about what that looks like at the end of the service. After we kind of wrap up, I'll be around and I would love to talk to you about what that means to put your faith in him and to have this hope that this is not the end. That we can walk through troubles here knowing that this world has an end and the world after. The time with him and eternity in heaven is without trouble. We need to keep moving. The last thing. Uh, or the, the fifth thing that I think that, we need, that we've learned from this uh, study in Nehemiah that we need to hold on to is that we need to remember that we're not alone. Remember that you are not alone. As you read through the book of Nehemiah, at least four times you find lists of people that were a part of this work. And over and over, he's, he kind of just records the people that were there, the people that put their hands to the, to, to the the, the building of the wall, and it tells us all these different people from different walks of life, the priests and the nobles and the officials and the father-daughter team and the craftsmen, all of these individuals, some that had, had varied experience in building walls. Some took bigger portions of walls. Some took smaller portions of walls. Some just did gates. And, and, and so there's all of these different roles that they played. And, and the reality is what we need to hold on to is that we're not alone. This building of the wall was a beautiful picture of what the body of Christ looks like, that we all have roles. We find our places on different teams and play, different places that we play a part in what God's doing here at Rolling Hills in Columbia and Rolling Hills across all, all the five campuses at this point. We find our place in that. It's a beautiful, much-needed reminder that you're not alone. Nehemiah could not have built this wall, could not have completed this wall if he'd have done it on his own. God, God brought along others to fight alongside of himself, fight along, to build along with him. And, and each of us, 
have our own special talents and gifts and, and, and abilities and time that we get to share with others. We need each other to build what God's called us to build here. And we're not alone. Maybe you just need to be reminded, the simple reminder that, that you're not alone, that you have a church, a, a body of people that want to walk alongside of you. Maybe you need to reach out to somebody that's in, that you serve with. Maybe you need to find somebody in your community group. And if you're not in either one of those places, let's get you in one of those places so that you can find people that you can lock arms with and be reminded that you're not alone. It's easy to look around and be like, there's a lot of people in this room. And there is, man, praise the Lord. Every week since we've started, there have been new families. If you're new, I'm so glad that you're here. But just showing up here is not going to be enough. You're going to need people to lock arms with. And so we, need to, we want you to be, find a community group, get involved serving, find a place that you fit so you can lock arms with other people and know that there's other people that are fighting with you and pressing alongside of you. The last thing is we need to remember to remember. Remember to keep on remembering. Remember to keep on remembering. Nehemiah chapter 9, he walks through God's faithfulness. He, rem, he reminds the people of God's story from Abraham to that moment and how God had been faithful over and over and over again. How they had not, but how God had. It was a reminder. Remi remember maybe the instruction that's given most in Scripture as you read through the Old Testament and the New Testament, this, this call to remember is over and over. Moses gives the call to, to remember to the people in just kind of anticipating the temptation to forget. He says, only be careful. Watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget. What is he saying? Remember. Keep your eyes on, on, keep your eyes on what you've seen and let, not, let them not fade in your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. God calls us to remember, God's calling to us to remember is, is a loving, grace, grace, gracious, and merciful call because he knows that, our, that in our sins we have this gravitational pull in our hearts to forget. But he calls us to remember, to keep on remembering. He knows that we suffer from this spiritual amnesia where we just lose it sometimes. So those are the, the six that I think we've got to remember. The, 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 the next is, what does Nehemiah want to be remembered for? As you read through chapter 13, there's, there's three times that he says, remember me, remember me. What are the things that Nehemiah wants to be remembered for? I mean, the question for us is, what do you want to be remembered? What do you want your legacy to be? We used to do a podcast. Pastor Jeff did a podcast for a long time where the, the last question he would always ask is, what do, you want to, what do you want your legacy to be? And it was always interesting to listen to people that actually had time to think about what they wanted their legacy to be. But the reality is I did some research and kind of looking at what people say about this. And, and, and I don't think that we think about this very often. The reason why I think of that is because as I read some of the responses that people give, they're pretty lame. I don't think we think about it very often. What do you want to be remembered for? And I think Nehemiah is giving us a picture of, of something that he wants to be remembered for. And, and, and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey kind of gives this, uh, this, this picture. It, it talks about in Habit 2, beginning with the end in mind. And in chapter, it kind of gives you this picture of, of, of creating a mission statement. And part of that is, is, is 
looking at all the roles that you have in life, right? For me, that, that I'm a, a husband and a pastor and a, and a friend and a, and, a, and a father, all of these things. What are the roles that in, in whatever your roles are, student and parent and teacher, whatever they are. And, and just working through each of these roles kind of as this way, like thinking about this from, from a parent. What do I want my kids to say at my funeral? It gets pretty dark, pretty deep. That's why I think that a lot of us are lame in our answers because we don't actually think about it. What do I want my kids to say about me at my funeral? What do I want my wife to say about me at my funeral? If you have the pleasure of being one of my friends, <laughs> or the, I don't know, maybe the punishment, I, whatever it is, what do I want you to say about me at my funeral? It's tough because the reality is that right now, I, if I'm, if I'm honest, I don't think that you're going to say necessarily all the things that I want you to say. So I got some work to do, some things that need to change. But this is what Nehemiah says in verse 14. He says, remember me for this. As he sets things right, he comes back into, in, into Jerusalem after some time away. He says, remember me for this, God. And do not blot out all that I have so faithfully done for the house of my God and its service. Verse 22, he says it again. He says, remember me for this also, my God, and show mercy to me according to your great love. And then in verse 31, he says it, remember me with favor, my God. And I think that if you, kind of, if you kind of work through these three statements, there's kind of two summary statements that I feel like kind of wrap around what he's saying that I, that I think we need to hold on to because maybe they're, they're important for us as well. The two things that I think that, that Nehemiah is saying is this, that he wants to be remembered as faith-filled and faithful. You can write this down. Faith-filled and faithful. What do I mean? He wants to be remembered as one who trusts God big, a man of faith. One who believed God, took God at his word. But not only that he believed, that he trusted, that he, was, he, he, he had faith in God, but that faith moved him to action, that he was faithful, that he lived a life of faith, that he, was, that he followed God with courage and, and did what God called him to do. That ultimately at the bottom line of what he wants to hear God say, it was he's, remember me for this, is that he wants to hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. What if our legacy from, if, if, we're, if we're thinking about this, like what would God say about us at our funeral? What is it that we want God to say? What if it was just that simple? Well done, my good and faithful servant. I think that's what Nehemiah is saying in this passage. That I, will, I was faith-filled and faithful that, I, that, that, that ultimately that he's saying, I, I want to hear well done, my good and faithful servant. The second thing is that he wants to hear God say that he was grateful for God's abundant mercy and amazing grace. That he remembers, that he's humble in his, in his life to remember that this is all God's work. That if you want to leave a legacy, one, well done and good faithful servant. Secondly, is that you recognize that it's all God the whole time. That he did it all. That it was never about you. It was always about him. That it's his grace that gives you any life. That he's the one who provides. He's the one who protects. He's the one who empowers. He's the one who's called. And he's the one who gives everything. That we would be people. Nehemiah wants to be a man who's remembered as faith-filled and faithful. Grateful for God's abundant mercy and amazing grace. And then I, 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 as, as we kind of wrap this up, I, I think that there's two more things that we need to be reminded of. And first is this, that we need to remember, 
Remember what it cost Christ to remember you. In this passage in Romans 30, in, in Nehemiah 13, 31, it says, remember me with favor, my God. Remember us, remember us with favor. Let, let, this, let this last thing, this is the last thing that Nehemiah writes in this chronicle of, of what happens as they rebuild the wall. He's, he says, let, remember me, remember us with favor. And then there's 400 years of silence. Now, Nehemiah is not the last book of, of the Old Testament, but it's truly the last thing that's written before Jesus comes. 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence that would come after him writing these words. They would ring in the ears of the people. And, and ultimately, what we have to remember is that Jesus did remember us with favor. And in remembering us, it cost him his life. To remember us with favor, to look on his people with favor, would mean that he would go to the cross and lay down his life for us. That we need to remember what it cost Christ to remember us. That we need to let that roll around and we need to meditate on that every day. Not to, to be reminded, to be humbled and to be, to be thankful and grateful for all that Christ has done. You see, one of the incredible things is that Nehemiah was a man of faith. He was a man of prayer. He was a man of action. He did all of those things. But in Nehemiah and all of his great leadership, he could not restore the hearts of men and women. The wall, it was fixed, but the hearts were still broken. That took Jesus Jesus is the one that came and restored the heart. And we've got to remember, because he laid down his life, we've got to remember what it cost Christ to remember us. And then lastly, as the band comes, I, I want us to remember this. I need us to remember that God remembers us. I need you and I to remember that God remembers you. That he has not forgotten you. Far too often I, I meet people that just feel like God has forgotten them, that, he's, that, he's, that they don't know what, where they fit and what God's called. Like, they don't remember that God is with them. You're not alone. That's a truth that we can kind of look back and, and look around in this room. You're not. But ultimately, what's even more incredible is that God is with you. He's not forgotten about you. We need to hold on to this truth that he's not forgotten, that he remembers, that he knows our name. He knows the number of hairs on our head, that he, 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 knows, he sees the tears that you cry. He knows the sorrow that fills your heart. He weeps with you when you weep, and he rejoices with you when you rejoice. He is with you. He has not forgotten about you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. He upholds you with his mighty right hand. He knows you're going out and you're coming in. He is near to you and he is your provider and your protector. And he's called you, a calling on your life to take that next step. So this morning, as we close, this is what, there's two parts Obviously, there's a, the part of you taking, of joining us with in, in this next uh, capital initiative, but, all, but way more than that. That's awesome. And I believe that God, God uses these capital initiatives and in giving as a way to grip our hearts because he knows what holds our hearts most is, is, is often our resources and our money. But more than anything, what I hope that you will hear us say is that God has a next step for you. That he's not forgotten about you. He desires for you to walk with him in faith.
that, he, that, that your next step is maybe to remember that Christ, what Christ did for you, what it cost Christ to remember you, to celebrate that, maybe to put your faith in him. <coughs> but as we continue in the service, there's going to be a couple of things that we do. And, and hopefully this morning it would be a moment where you just are reminded of all that God's done. And it encourages you, again, to walk in faithful obedience to him, no matter what the cost. And if you're going to jump in and, and be a part of this next camp capital initiative, we're, we're thankful for that. And, and we'll give you some more instructions here in just a moment of what that looks like. But, but as we just sing and kind of take these next couple of moments and, ha- and have some special things for us as we kind of move into this giving part of this mo- morning, I just want to pause and just say, God, would you move in our hearts more than in, more than in the, the, the giving God, that you would grab a hold of our hearts, that there would be nothing off limits for us to follow you, no matter what the cost. So let's pray together. And then there's, some, again, some special things that we'll do uh, as we move towards this giving moment uh, for us as, as a church. Uh, let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. And we pray that that confession of love for you would be an evidence in lives of obedience to you, no matter what the cost. That no matter what you're calling us to next, that God, we will trust you again and again and again. Because we remember all that it took Christ to remember us. And we remember that you remember us, that you never forgive us. You never leave us nor forsake us. You empower us. You provide. You're the one who protects So there's nothing off limits, God. We'll follow you wholeheartedly, no matter what it costs. Financially, God, we want to follow you because we know that you have a better idea of what it means for us to follow you faithfully in that place than we do. God, with our jobs, with our kids, with our spouse, no matter what, there's nothing off limits. God, whatever's next, we will say yes to you. Lord, be glorified in these next moments as your people, God, take steps, next steps of faith with you, faith in you. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.